well-known verse. Second Chronicles, please, chapter 7 and verse 14. Second Chronicles, chapter 7 and verse 14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. I want to speak this evening on I will heal their land or if my people. National prayers or national repentance in the past has brought forth national miracles. National repentance has brought a national move of God who has delivered our nation many times. just want to look at a few of them tonight, and we want to show you how God is the same, whether it's in your individual life, to pray through, to believe in seeking God, whether it's in your family, your workplace, whether it's in your community, but entirely it's for our national living. That if we are to do what God says that we should do, we find that God will move and God will hear from heaven. God will heal our land. He will forgive us of our sin. And when we look at when I look at Great Britain, United Kingdom, the West in particular, and I see the sin that it has fallen into from where it used to be, a nation that had even some sort of reverence toward God, a place even especially in evangelical Ulster, where there were churches on every corner, full of people every weekend. Whether the people were saved or not, I don't know. But one thing I know is God blesses when the people pray. And God answers prayer every time. When we see the things that are happening in our nation, when we see the people who are raising their heads and causing the trouble in our nation, when we see the bureaucratic dictators, when we see the fascist liberals, when we see the political correct brigade, as I would call them, hammering the Word of God, hammering at the children of God, the Christians in our land, those who love the Lord Jesus Christ. When I see our very police force, who are allegedly to be neutral, then clothing themselves in rainbow colors around their Land Rovers and walking in pride parades. When I see these things, I cry for our nation. I weep for our people. And oh, where has Ulster fallen? When I see the depravity of our land, when I see the godlessness of our land, when I see the heterosexual community and the filth that they find themselves in, when I see the rife pornography even in your children's phones and their hand at the touch of a button, when I see wickedness being called good and good being called evil, when I see these things, my heart yearns in me for our people and cries out unto the Lord. But what we're going to look at is when, I'm sure many of you, if not all of you, see the same. And we wonder, Lord, where? Where will our people be? Where will my children and should you tarry my grandchildren? What will they grow up in? How will they be persecuted? See if we turn ourselves to Almighty God. Our land is being invaded with a silent invasion. And again, the liberal far left and the political correctness of our government is telling us that if we cry out against it, then we're racist. Brothers and sisters, 
It's time the church stood up. It's time we sought the face of God. It's time we humbled ourselves before the Lord. It's time we turned even in the church. Whether it's a Pentecostal church like we are, or a denominational church, whether it's an independent church like we are, or whether it's some other church body, church form or forum, we as a collective body of believers, those of us who are saved, we must turn our faces to our God and cry for mercy, that in his wrath he will remember that mercy. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Here's a question. What does it take? What would it take? Or what will it take for a man, for a woman, for a church assembly, for a denomination, for a society, for our government? Listen, for our monarchy. What will it take for them, for you, for me, for us, for our land, to humble ourselves before our God? to humble ourselves and to seek his face, to pray unto him and to cry unto him for the lost of our land, to cry unto him for the protection that we once had under the canopy of his love, to cry for mercy again. Because I feel like this is prophetic tonight. Watch this space. Britain is in grave danger. Britain is in grave danger. The word humble here is the word kanan. It means to be subdued, to be under subjection, to be brought down low. What will it take for our media outlets, television, radio, internet, to be humble, to bring themselves down low when atheism is that which is propagated, when other secularism and big bang theories, and all the things that we, our children are growing up listening to, being taught, and their minds are being programmed with their children's programs every day as they watch it, being programmed to accept evil, to accept wickedness, to accept twistedness, to accept everything but the Word of God. What will it take for us as a church? What will it take for us as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ? What will it take for our queen, the royal family? What will it take for our political parties to humble themselves before Almighty God and to pray and seek His face? What will it take for our members of parliament? What will it take for men to be subdued or subjected to the word and the will of God. Listen to James chapter 4. And verse 6, it's also told off in 1 Peter 5 and verse 5. God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. God resisteth the proud. Brother, sister, listen. We talk to people who know the gospel, yet will not bend the knee to Christ. And we know that we meet people who weigh in their spirit, away in their hearts somewhere. When we're talking to them, they know that we're telling them the truth, that they must be born again. doesn't matter what side of the fence or what divine they come from, who they are, but they must be born again. And maybe there's a man or there's a woman in here tonight or listening to this, watching this. And they're saying, but I don't need to be born again. I belong to such and such a church. I belong to such and such an assembly or denomination. Friend, the Lord Jesus himself said, except a man or woman be born from above, they cannot see nor enter the kingdom of heaven. Oh, what will it take? For God will resist the proud, but he will give grace to the humble. What about this church in Christ Encounters Tabernacle? 
What about us as an assembly and those who are friends and visitors of ours? What about us saying, Lord, for us, for us, we want to be on our faces before you. We want to prostrate our spirits before you. We want to come with humility in our hearts that you may pour out more grace upon us in these last days. Am I speaking to a man who knows they are not saved and you cannot find a way to bring humility to your heart? Am I speaking to a Christian who God has been dealing with and speaking to and cannot find humility in their life? And I want to tell you, you're better to humble yourselves than to have Almighty God humble you. God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. First Peter chapter 5 and verse 6, he says, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. So what does it take? What will it take to humble the heart of man? What will it take to humble the heart of the individual tonight? A heart scare? A heart attack? And you've survived it? What will it take? A sickness? Surprise you, many people have come to me as a pastor and they've said to me, Pastor, can you uh, come to court because I, I think I'm going to go to prison? Will you come and speak for me? And I have at times. Oh, they're so humble because the reality of what is looming in front of them has happened. What will it take? Will a, a death in the family to cause you to humble yourself to see? Is this what it takes? A massive debt that you cannot get out of and the weight and stress of it causes you to run. A close shave with the grave. An accident that's shaking you up. What does it take? What will it take for you to come humbly before God? and yield yourself to him. What is it going to take in our national life? It's going to take a lot more than you're hearing now because they're getting worse. Things are going to get worse, but guess what? They're going to get better. Christ is going to sort it out. He's coming again. In Proverbs 16 and verse 5, it says, Everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Notice this. Though hand, join in hand, he shall not be unpunished. Now notice this. I want to read it again. I want you to get it. Everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Though hand, join in hand, he shall not be unpunished. You see, the abomination of the proud heart without humility throughout our nation everywhere. Yesterday, through Belfast. Pride! And yet the rainbow flag speaks of promise of God. God says pride is an abomination. Notice what he says, hand, joining in hand, to oppose God and his word. He says, although hand joins in hand, he shall not be unpunished. What does it mean, hand join in hand? Well, Christian, just set yourself for a moment and watch what's happening around you. On every side, enemies one with the other are joining hand in hand against Christ and his gospel, against God and his word. Enemies who hated one another it's even strange to see Islam who in their radicalization throw, in their Sharia law, throw gas off buildings to their death. We now see them saying that they, the, the, the gay community backing up Islam against the Christian voice, against the witness of the Spirit, against the Word of God. Notice, friends, just like in the days when our Lord Jesus was arrested to be tried and crucified, 
Pontius Pilate, Herod, and the high priest Caiaphas and Annas hated one another, yet got together, three enemies in unity, in concord, to destroy the Lord Jesus Christ. It's happening right in front of our eyes. The chief priests and Pharisees of modern religion and modernism, along with Herod's, the Herod's of the leftist, humanist, secularists, along with hand-in-hand holding socialist, Marxist, communists, throw in the Greens, the political correct, and the LGBT and such like. All are holding hand in hand in our nation. And our nation is getting worse and going down and going down and getting worse. And Christ is being blasphemed. And his name is used as a curse word and a swear word. He is being mocked like he was on the cross. People are jeering at the thoughts of him they're joining hand in hand, but God's word says, though hand join in hand, he shall not be unpunished. Toothless government. A toothless government. Brothers and sisters, we have a toothless government. The Lion of Britain has lost her roar. The toothless government of Pontius Pilate, who want en masse to destroy Christ and his word, fill the halls of the buildings of Parliament. They've just got together hand in hand to crucify Christ afresh, so that that same spirit which has wanted this throughout the years, is still the same today. Now listen. Isaiah 45 and verse 9 says, Woe unto him that striveth against his maker. Britain, woe unto you. You are striving against your maker. Listen, folks, I'm a patriot. I'm not ashamed to say it. I love my country. But our country is in desperate way. Proverbs 14 and 39 says, Righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Proverbs 1, verses 23 and 24 says, Turn you at my reproof. I will pour out my Spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. What a promise. Now verse 24 says, Because I have called and ye have refused, I have stretched out my hand and no man regarded. Our Father Almighty God is saying, Here is the hand of blessing. Walk according to my word. Here is the hand of strength, of protection, of guidance through all of the years. But no one would turn to him nor regard him. What will it take? What does it take? Hosea chapter 5, verse 15. I will go and return to my place till they acknowledge their offense. And seek my face in their affliction. They will seek me early. The Lord says, I will go and return to my place as it were. In other words, when they look for me, they will not find me. I've been calling, I'm reaching out. Is there a man or a woman who God has been calling and reaching out to? He's been doing that with our nation, but is there a man or a woman whom God has been dealing with and speaking to and reaching out? And he says, look, here's the hand of provision. Here is your hand of blessing. Here is the hand of salvation. And he says this. He will go till they acknowledge their offense and seek my face. and their affliction, they will seek me early. When 9-11 happened, Everyone 
flocked to the churches, packed them around New York and the United States in particular. Everyone wanted to know what was going on, and not hardly a man could tell them. Not hardly a preacher could tell them. And when 9-11 happened, that terrible tragedy in New York, at that time, Billy Graham's daughter, Anne Graham Lotz, was asked, where was God? Paraphrasing, this is what she says. God was put out of the universities. God was put out of the schools. God was put out of the governments. God was put out of our societies. God was put out of our families. God was put out of our lives. God was told to go, not to come back anymore. And now, in the reflection, he said, where are you? Where's God? There's coming a time when Britain are going to be crowned. Where are you, Lord? Where are you? Now, there is hope in this message. Because in our reading, the Lord tells us, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Do you know God answered nationally, not only in uh, ancient Israel biblical times, but in latter day, right the whole way through history in our nation, God answered when prayers want to be made and the churches turned to him and, and the people turned to him and they flocked into churches and they lit beacons at times. Do you know that God answered prayers in national miracles when they repented from their sin? Folks, you and I talk about it and say, said, I'm a patriot, I love my country. But when I look at other nations, we say, oh, they're so bad, and they're so wicked, and they're so cruel, and they're so depraved, and, and those Islamists over there, they're, they're barbarians, and all. And yes, we, we agree with most of that, but one of the most wickedest governments of the world is the British government. One of the most sinful nations in the world is the British nation. You see, Isaiah 60 and verse 12 says this, For the nation and kingdom that will not serve thee shall perish. The nation and the kingdom, this nation, United Kingdom, that will not serve this once great empire, you could call it in a third of the globe if you got a map, where Britain was ruling and the queen was the, the sovereign monarch over and now it's being retracted. Yes, it's a commonwealth. It's being retracted to a little itty-bitty island that's starting to become of no significance. For the nation kingdom that will not serve thee shall perish, yea, those nations shall be utterly wasted. Sadly, tragically, and dangerously, the words of Jeremiah chapter 7 and verse 28 are very applicable to the United Kingdom, to the United States, to the Western nations in general. Listen, this is a nation that obeyeth not the voice of the Lord their God, nor receiveth correction. Truth is perished and is cut off from their mouth. Truth is perished and is cut off from their mouth. Many places are afraid to speak truth. Many churches are afraid to read out the Word of God, the truth. Many places are afraid to talk of the truth of the gospel. It's perished from our mouths. I love the psalm of protection from Psalm 91. We haven't time to read it. Read it when you go home. 
But if you read Psalm 91, verse 1 says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Notice, he that uh, dwelleth in the secret place, he that dwells under the protection of God, he, she, the nation that dwells under God's provision, the nation that dwells under God's mighty hand, trusting in the blood, the nation says they shall be safe. If you read Psalm 91, when you go home, first of all, it speaks of God calls the nation to prayer. Then it speaks, it convinces Israel of, the, of providence. Then it cries out of divine protection. Then it charges the angels of heaven to minister. That's important because we're going to see that. Charges the angels of heaven to minister, and then it cares about the individual soul. Do you know a, a Colonel Whitelessey was in World War I, fought the whole four years? His officers and his men memorized the whole of Psalm 91 and prayed it every single day. All of his men, every day. And out of all the bloodshed of World War I, his was the only battalion that went, out, went home again without one loss of life. I want to look just what four recent monarchs, their coronation on a little about what they think of the Scripture or what has been given to them into their hands. So first of all, let me just look at Queen Victoria. At the height of the empire, Queen Victoria was asked by an Indian prince, what was the secret of England's greatness? And Queen Victoria, you can see there's a, a big painting made of it. It's a famous painting. She hands the Indian prince a copy of the authorized Word of God. And she says, this is the secret of England's greatness. This is the secret of England's greatness. In 1911, King George VI was handed a copy of the King James Bible. Lord Northampton said these words. Now listen, I quote, We pray that from these same holy scriptures, your majesty may derive comfort and counsel in the perplexing problems that devolve upon one placed in the providence of God in so exalted a position. We pray also that your majesty's subjects may continue to read this book until its spirit and teaching are vitalized in personal character and in domestic relationships, and so enter every sphere of corporate life, of business, professional, social, political, national, and imperial life. God save the king, he said. King George VI, 15th of September, 1939. Listen to what he says. To all serving in my forces, by sea or land or in the air, and indeed to all my people engaged in the defense of the realm, I commend the reading of this book. He means the Bible. I commend the reading of this book. For centuries the Bible has been a wholesome and strengthening influence in our national life. Notice, our national life. It behooves us in these momentous days, to turn with renewed faith to this divine source of comfort and inspiration, King George VI. Listen to Queen Elizabeth II. 1953, when Queen Elizabeth was being crowned, she has handed the scepter sitting on the chair with the stone of scone, Jacob's pillar stone, below her. She's anointed by being covered. It's so reverent and holy. It's only from God. They hand her the scepter. They also hand her a staff with what's known as the Star of Africa jewel, a large diamond in the middle of it. The diamond has been broken up into other parts of jewelry. It was so big. It was the biggest diamond ever found, worth $2 billion at the time. It was given 
as a present. And it was broken up because it was so big. But this jewel, this big diamond in the center of it is worth $400 million. She's handed it. Then they take it from her. And they hand her a copy of the inspired Word of God into her hands. And this is what they say at her coronation. We present you with this book, the most valued, valuable thing this world affords. Here is wisdom. This is the royal law. These are the lively oracles of God. The Word of God. Brothers and sisters, what we have in this book is more valuable than all the world can afford. The Word of God. This is why they want it out of our nation and out of our country and they want it out of our people's hearts and out of people's minds. They don't want it preached on the streets. They don't want it mentioned from pulpits. They want us to tell people how to have a good day and a blessed life. They want to say how to be prosperous in your finances. But they don't want the Word of God because the Word of God changes lives. The Word of God changes the destiny of a soul. I know the devil, he just wants to bring you with him to a lake of fire. Listen to Queen Elizabeth again. She writes, she says, To what greater inspiration and counsel can we turn than to the imperishable truth to be found in this treasure house, the Bible. So what we want to look at, just for a few moments, some of the points will be longer than others. The first one will be short. We want to look at how the nation turned again. They humbled themselves and prayed and sought the face of God. And he heard and he brought deliverance in a national level. In 1588, Philip II of Spain sent what is known as the Spanish Armada. I'm sure we are all well aware of it. The sailed to conquer what was then Protestant England, to return it to Europe, a, a then reviving Roman Empire, to bring it in, and what its, its nickname was Mary's Diary. And he sends over a mighty fleet of ships, we're told that on the 21st of July, 1588, as the ships came, they lit beacons along the coastline. And they started going right through the land. That's how they had no television, they had no radio, they had no internet, they had no phones. They couldn't text. They lit beacons as a warning. And as these beacons started lighting as a warning, it was a warning, the enemy is coming, and the people went to pray. The people went to pray. Church bells all over the nation rang out as a warning. Come and pray. Come and pray. Come and pray. For the enemy is at the door. While the people sought God in prayer, the outgunned Royal Navy fought. They were fighting like David fighting Goliath. They were sure of a defeat on their own strength. But the winds gathered and devastating storms blew the Spanish Armada right round the British coastline, round the western coast of Ireland. And they were dashed against the rocks and smashed to pieces on the enemy's attempt at re uh, recovering this land for Rome were vanquished. There was a, a, a coin and a medal that was struck up. I think we have a photograph of it. Here it is. Not that one, Denise. Here it is. See the ships? And here it is over here. Here is a castle or a house built upon a rock. And this was struck up after. And it says in the metal, it says, it says in the metal, or pardon me, in this coin, it says here, he blew with his winds, and they were scattered. He blew with his winds, and they were scattered. Here we have the rock. The church founded upon it. And he says, we must be instead founded upon the rock, Christ Jesus. In the First World War, 
the Kaiser in the central powers of Germany and Europe. They ensued after some of the, the expeditionary forces of the, the British army. And they were heavenly outgunned and trapped. Here's something remarkable that happened. The weaker outmanned, outgunned British expeditionary force, they faced this well-equipped army, and serious defeat and tremendous losses just seemed inevitable. They were pinned down, doomed. They had nowhere to run, couldn't escape, no retreat. There was no avail, no matter what way they turned. Only a supernatural intervention would release the British forces. The mighty German advance was stopped, stopped. But what happened? What happened? Well, listen to the words of Captain Cecil Reitwick Howard, staff officer in the First Corps Intelligence, British Army Headquarters. Churches were crowded with the whole of the British nation in prayer. Now listen, he's saying this. Wonderful beings, much bigger than men appeared, robed in white between the British and the Germans, with their backs to the British, facing the Germans with their hands outstretched, as if to say, thus far and no further. When Britain went to prayer, the Lord sent forth ministering angels. There's a coin that is uh, re- re- relatively new now they're doing to remind us of Bethune in the First World War and the Angel of Mons. This is known as the Angel of Mons. There's a coin here. This is no one now. Obviously, the angel didn't look like that. That's just what they're putting it. But this is to remember, and it's the, the angel that the Lord sent to protect the British forces. These are documented in history. And see, Isaac Watts wrote, Oh God, our help in ages past our hope for years to come, our shelter from the stormy blast, and our eternal home. And isn't it right that whenever we turn to the Lord, He's always willing to hear our prayers, to answer everyone? In spring 1918 in Bethune, this would be on the other side of this. Again, the German army broke through the Allied line, and heavy casualties were sustained. Documented, In the Household Brigade magazine, winter 1942. Listen, during heavy gunfire and artillery shelling, the ground was absolutely bare. Now I'm quoting. As suddenly as it started, the enemy's fire ceased. In the complete silence, there rose a lark's thrilling or trilling song of thankfulness. The dense line of German troops, which had started to move forward to victory in mass formation, halted dead. And as the British watched, they saw it break. The Germans threw down everything they had and fled in frantic panic. That's documented. So what happened? Well, a German officer and his lieutenant were captured. And this is their documented recording. The German officer was asked why they ran. They were winning. Why stop? Drop your weapons and run. I quote, Fritz, my lieutenant here said, Herr Captain, just look at that open ground behind Bethune. There is a brigade of cavalry coming up through the smoke drifting across it. They must be mad, these English, to advance such, against such a force as ours in the open. I suppose they must be cavalry of one of their colonial forces. For see, they are all in white uniform and are mounted on white horses. They come within firing range and all the shells exploding around them had no effect. Then as they got closer, heavy machine gun fire, but not one man fell off his horse. Steadily they advanced, clear in the shining sunlight, A few places in front of them rode their leader, a fine figure of a man whose hair, like spun gold, shone in an aura around his head. They saw this angelic visitation. They saw the great Michael who stands up for his people. 
And they saw this. They dropped everything, frightened out of their wits. This is documented, and they ran. God heard the prayers of the nation. August 1918. August 1918. Again, another intervention by prayer. Britain was weak and at a low ebb, and the more the morale of the British people was very low and dark. August the 4th, 1918, the fourth anniversary of Britain's declaration of war against Germany, special services of intercession and thanksgiving were held all over the country. They were led by King George V. In both houses of, in both, with both, both houses of, pardon me, with both houses of Parliament in St. Margaret's, Westminster. This led to the most miraculous result. Within three months, the war had turned and stalemate was broken. British morale had swollen again and, and miraculous advancement was made. Listen to the Times newspaper, August the 10th, and again August the 31st, 1918. They wrote under the title, Accelerated German Retreat. On the orders of Sir Douglas Haig, the Allies were to advance. The weather suddenly changed and a thick mist covered them. No offense in which the British Army has participated ever made so much progress in its opening day and the advancement kept going, not retreating once until the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month of 1918 when armistice was called. The people were praying. The people were at prayer. Listen to this, Commonwealth Day of Prayer, 26th of May, 1940. I'm jumping the gun a little bit here, I'll come back. At the request of King George VI, a National Day of Prayer was held. That was for, do you remember, Dunkirk. He called the people to commit their cause. Pardon me, 1940, we're at Dunkirk. He called the people to commit their cause to God. This is King George VI now. 335,000 plus men had been carry, carried out of the jaws of death and home to their native land. What happened? The people went to pray. The churches were filled. In fact, you know what we have? We have a little clip, Denise. What's this? Only 30 seconds, 7 seconds long. They were called to pray by the king. The people came in their droves to pray. All those men were being murdered with the dive-bombing Stuka planes of the Luftwaffe, like ducks in a pond. They were being wiped out. And at the call of prayer, they filled the churches. And God caused a miracle. Here is a clip from the newsreel of the call to prayer. The empire responds to the, responds to the king's call. Can you get it, Denise? It's a little bit. It's only 37 seconds. Denise can work that out, and I'll, I'll go on a minute. The nation was called to prayer. What happened? As they lined the streets to pray, as they prayed and sought the face of the Lord, they humbled themselves to come to pray. All over the country, the nation prayed. The next stop was the land. That's where Churchill says, we'll fight them on the beaches and in the streets and so on, because he knew that they were going to come as next was the, the British Isles. And God answered prayer because the rough seas of the English Channel, it went like a duck pond. It was so smooth, it was like glass. Even little flotillas, which we'd never make it across, were able to be dragged out and filled with men. And not only that, the Stuka dive bombers were coming in with their, with their screeching as they come through the air ready to bomb again. And God sent a storm between the German Luftwaffe and between the sand where the, where the British troops were at Dunkirk. And a storm went right up, right through the middle of them. And the Luftwaffe was unable to take off the bomb them. And the sea, on the other hand, went straight. It went flat like a plane. And they were able to bring all the troops home. They were able to go and get them in little ships and little boats, little fishing boats, little boats you'd nearly row in. They filled them with people, these British soldiers, and they brought them all home. What happened? The people were praying, brother. 
The people were praying, sister. The people humbled themselves and prayed. You know what this reminds me of? It reminds me of Israel at the Red Sea. And the Egyptians coming behind them. And the Lord brought down the great cloud between them. And he opened up the Red Sea. Well, he didn't open up the English Channel. He just says, I'll make a way smooth for you. We read that miracle all the time in the book of Exodus, yet this miracle happened in the latest movie, Dunkirk. Nothing. Nothing about it. Not one mention of it. Not the call to prayer. Here's it now. The Empire responds to the King's call. And at Westminster Abbey, heart of the Empire, the statesmen, the soldiers, the ambassadors, and hundreds of ordinary men and women join the mighty congregation. Her Majesty Queen Wilhelmina of the Netherlands arrives a few moments before their Majesties. No one here today could foresee the grave news that has come from Belgium. All the more, it is well for us to show the world that we still believe in divine guidance, in the laws of Christianity. May we find inspiration and faith from this solemn day. And within, within 70 years, our nation has fallen to the hands of the heathen. To the unrighteous. The Daily Telegraph, June the 8th, 1940, writes, that the prayers of the nation were answered and the God of hosts himself supported the valiant men of the British Expeditionary Forces. Can you imagine the newspapers today writing that? Can you imagine the uproar around the world? Can you imagine the uproar across our land that if the newspapers today were to write such an article? King George VI, on June the 6th, 1946, on his call to prayer, he mentions this. He says, I desire solemnly to call my people to prayer and dedication. We are not unmindful of our own shortcomings, past and present. We shall not ask that God will do our will, but he may enable us to do the will of God. And we dare to believe that God has used our nation and empire as instruments for fulfilling his high purpose. Can you imagine that being said from our monarchy today? Can you imagine it coming from the royal family? So there we have times when God has stepped in, when God has answered prayer. Listen to this. Winston Churchill, we've seen him on the clip, 1942. I sometimes have a feeling of interference. I want to stress that I have a feeling sometimes that some guiding hand has interfered. I have a feeling that we have a guardian because we have a great cause. And we shall have that guardian so long as we serve that cause faithfully. Chief Marshal Sir Hugh Downing, Downing Commander-in-Chief of Fighter Command in the Battle of Britain, I pay homage to those gallant boys who give their all so that our nation might live. But I say with absolute conviction that I can trace the intervention of God not only in the battle itself, but in the events leading up to it. At the end of the battle, one had the feeling that there had been some special divine intervention to alter the sequence of events, which would otherwise not have occurred. General Eisenhower, Supreme Commander of the Allied Forces in D-Day, this day eight years ago, I made the most agonizing decision of my life, I had to decide to postpone at least 24 hours the most formidable array of fighting ships, of fighting men that was ever launched across the sea against a hostile shore. The consequences of that decision at that moment could not have foreseen by anyone if there were nothing else in my life to prove the existence of an almighty and merciful God. The events of the next 24 hours did it. The greatest break in a terrible outlay of weather occurred the next day and allowed that inv great invasion to proceed with losses far below those we had anticipated. 
I could go on and on. Field Marshal Montgomery, he quotes on it. The bishops in England quote on it from the Church of England. Brothers and sisters, here's what the Lord says. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sins, heal their land. Here is something. The enemies of our land and of Christ. They're fighting tooth and nail to keep us in the beast of Europe. You keep praying. You keep praying. God has allowed us in his great mercy to come out. George Soros. Who's heard of George Soros? Yes, I'm sure many have. You have. In 2015, he spoke of the European Union is orchestrating a Muslim invasion of Europe. He said that, I did. He spoke of plans for world government and the elimination of nations through invasion. Ken, you're awful hard. You're awful. You're awful bitter. You're bigoted. You're, you're all these things. Friend, I tell you, do you see the man and woman, no matter who they are, come to our land who love the Lord Jesus Christ and who will abide by the laws that have been placed in our land? I welcome them. But those who are against the Lord Jesus Christ and his gospel and his word, I am against them. I am against them. I pray for the salvation of souls. But their ideologies, their radicalism, Someone here in the Lord has said to you, it's time you get saved. Someone here in the Lord has said to you, Christian, it's time you give that up and stop living that life. And the Lord has spoken to me many times and said, Son, lay that down. Come closer. Walk with me. Take my heart. Many times I've went, but Lord, I want to, but I don't because I like comfortable where I am. Brothers and sisters, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. Oh, the church has went wicked. They've thrown out the blood. Many places. They've thrown out the cross. They've thrown out the one-time, once-for-all sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. They've thrown out the finished work. They've thrown out sanctified life, holiness of life. They've thrown it out for what? To appease the world, to make it attractive. Well, I'd rather be pleasing to God. So therein, I will stand. Amen. God bless his word to us. We may get that on a DVD. I have to see Andre's way.